Hi, welcome back to Rate That Album, back and forth album review between myself, Joseph Fremming, and my good friend, Paul Muad'Dib. Paul, how are you doing? I'm feeling good as gold. A.M. gold, if you want to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, Paul, we're going to be, you know, hanging out down the street. Same old thing we did last week. With Al Gudo? With El Gudo. <laughs> With El Gudo. Ballad of El Gudo. Yeah, so uh, this week we are going back into the well of your favorite band's favorite band. <laughs> uh, I snuck, uh, I forget what the last one we did about like, that was like this, but uh, I just off a hunch. Oh, Sparks was probably the last one we did. That was kind of like... Uh, Never really knew about them, and then all of a sudden, like everybody, music you grew up listening to were like huge fans of. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yes. I took a swing and took uh, decided to go on number one record by Big Star. Paul, what do you know about Big Star? I know nothing about Big Star at all. Like uh, this is one of those ones where I didn't look into anything about it because I figured you knew more about them than I ever could. I didn't know anything about him when I picked this. <laughs> I just kind of knew uh, like one person in it. So Big Star uh, started in nineteen late 60s, early 70s uh, by a guy named Chris Bell and his uh, friend Andy Hummel and Jody Stevens. Uh, they were like uh, just guys in their like late teens, early 20s and uh, – I think it was like Matt Memphis or in Memphis. And uh, Chris Bell was a guy who was like really interested in music. And he was like, I guess like a wonderkind and like being able to get like engineering music. Like it mm-hmm. just came to him naturally. And you kind of hear it on the album because he produced it basically. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> At 20 years old. So when you listen to like, how this album's produced, keep that in mind. It's like a 20-year-old guy doing this. <laughs> That's um, impressive. Yeah. And uh, the last person in the band is Alex Chilton. Alex Chilton, you've probably heard his music. Uh, you just didn't know the name behind it. Alex Chilton was in a band called The Box Tops. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So he wrote and sang the song, The Letter, you know, but give me a ticket for an aeroplane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he toured with them throughout the late 60s and left the band and relocated to Memphis where he hooks up with these guys. And it's, uh, so they, these are like really, it's really weird because these guys, so Chris Bell works at uh, Ardent, a studio run by Ardent, Ardent Records. Okay. Ardent Records at this time takes an interest in what they're doing gets them in the studio and these guys just basically record it themselves they have a producer on hand who was actually he's he said he didn't hear any of the tracks before they brought them in they were just that well organized in pre-production that they just didn't want to waste a lot of time in the studio oh wow yeah so these are like mostly like first second third takes holy shit okay yeah 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 and so this album comes along and they're re- writing and recording it. <laughs> and at one point they realize they don't even have a band name. Like they're just kind of like music dorks or like just really into like what they're the project. So they're not really thinking about how to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> so like one day they're like standing like outside the studio and they look across the street and there's a big star uh, grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> so they just, they just decided on Big Star. Oh my God, that's hilarious. And then they thought with like, you know, kind of like, since that's already, that's kind of like a, a hubris thing to say. <laughs> you know, your fan's called Big Star. Uh, they decided to go with the name number one record. <laughs> God. Yeah. So this album, when it came out, great reviews across the board. Okay. Uh, Rolling Stone loved it. Cream loved it. They were like critical darlings. The problem <laughs> is uh, Ardent got into a, 
a working relationship with Stax Records. Okay. Stax is mostly known for R&B. And they wanted, Stax wanted to reach out in more of the rock market. And unfortunately for Big Star, they had the promotion, but they didn't have the distribution. Uh, they sold only 10,000 records. Oh, wow. This, when it when it came out initially. I mean, and when you listen to the, when I, at least for me, when I listen to the album, I'd assume it probably sold more than 10,000 records upon release. Yeah, but absolutely. No, people just could not find it. They would play, like, D- college uh, DJs would play, I forget what the single was, probably In the Street and maybe 13. I was going to say 13, I was going to think. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, people would hear it and they would actually ask the band, like, where do we find this record? <laughs> and they had no idea because that's all tied up with stacks and ardent and long story short, uh, they did some shows like a tour. They get back after, uh, Chris Bell. He's kind of like the, you know, like I said, he's the engineer. He was like the kind of the visionary. This was his baby. Mm-hmm. He kind of has a, like a mental breakdown. Oh, Big Star releases had released three, I think four albums. They did one in like the late nineties, early two thousands. This is the only one with Bell on it. He kind of becomes like this is like where it kind of goes like into like cliche, but it happens. He's kind of like a tragic figure. Uh, uh. Yeah, at one point he wanted to destroy the master tapes for this. Just because he was just so kind of like disappointed with, you know, the sales and, you know, everybody's talking about Chilton because Chilton was that, you know, he was the name Mm -hmm. that sold all this. So he leaves the band and he kind of drifts until the late 70s. He dies at age 27 in a car accident. Uh, He's part of the 27 Club. Yes. Uh which is also the tragedy of that too, is at the time he he just released a single, his first new music since this album. (laughs) And he Uh, had a lot of other stuff in the can that gets released posthumously uh, in the nineties, like about 10, 15 years after he died, he didn't even get to survive. He didn't live long enough to see that this band gets like a second, uh, look back in the eighties and nineties. So he put in that hard work and he didn't get to see the, the first oh, God. I'm like the other guys, you know, so let's, t- I'll talk about a little bit. So this doesn't sell the band continues on after bell and, you know, it's never just a big seller, even though they make the, the second album, uh, uh, radio city is also like really well done, well produced. And, you know, they just didn't sell anything. And then it was in the late seventies, <clears throat> people like started taking notice, finding they're just somehow finding this album. Uh, the the bands that we knew and grew up that ended up like being really inspired by this album and this band. The the list would be and I'll keep it short, but it's REM, the replacements. Replacements even have a song called Alex Chilton. Uh, (laughs) Teenage Fan Club. Garbage Covers 13 on one of their records. Uh, Elliot Smith. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah's covered Big Star. This is like, this is a band whose shadow kind of looms large for like a weird, (laughs) weird group of guys who made like a pretty good pop rock album yeah wow i would have yeah. had no idea i would have had yeah no i watched idea. a documentary on them after you know that, on, so, that's yeah. honestly fascinating like who would have thought yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know and they had like chilton goes through a lot of weird things like he did like anti-music in the 80s with punk <laughs> which is really just like he had his problems too man but (laughs) (laughs) but you know creative people tend typically have you know they're a little off (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so Uh, there's something that comes with that genius right there's something that comes with that yeah 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 so paul let's start uh let's talk uh what are your first thoughts on number one record 
Well, I feel bad for <laughs> what I'm about to say, knowing that everyone loved this. Um, there was quite a few times where I giggled listening to this album because it reminded me of um, Spinal Tap when they were doing the As the Flower People, what, what the flower people say. <laughs> there was a lot of the flower people on this album for me. So these parts where I was kind of giggling. I'm like, I wonder if Spinal Tap like knew of this band and took some of what they were doing. Um, oh, absolutely. I'm sure <laughs> uh, Michael McKee and then, uh, what's his name? Christopher Guest. Yes. Yeah. Christopher Guest was like a big music nerd. So I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if that was the case. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, like there, there, there's a couple of them, like, um, like uh, it, the India song, especially oh, in track. I six. don't like that song. That, that is was written like, by the bassist too. And that was straight up to me, flower people. <laughs> like I really, really was like, Oh man, like they had to listen to this. Cause you know, you have like the sitar in there and it's just like this hippie, hippie song and something about like, uh, uh what was it? Gin and tonics. And it was just kind of whatever. And it's weird uh, too. Cause it kind of comes out of nowhere. It comes out of nowhere. Cause it doesn't totally fit. <laughs> like, you know, like my complaint with this would be it's such a 70s sounding album, which yes is weird because this is like before this sound kind of took the 70s, like three or four years later. So yes, it's strange that it is like like this is straight like, yeah, I, I could tell this was a 70s album, but yeah, you have a good point there. Um, I didn't realize that this was 72. That sound didn't 71. exist. 71, excuse me, yeah. 71, that sound didn't exist yet. No, like, in, in like, in the documentary, they're talking about the sound in 71, and, like, what well, another thing was going against uh, Big Star was the sound was mostly, like, Led Zeppelin and, like, these mm -hmm. big, like, you know, Clapton and shit like that, where it's just, like, heavy guitar work and shit, and then you have these guys who are just, like, making this. Making this, <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, outside of outside of that, like I said, like there's some parts I was just like, oh man, so that's so Spinal Tap, but that really was around the India song, which <laughs> knowing that was written by the bassist, like the one run track that was written by the bassist, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, the one track, <laughs> the one track, because none of the other ones sound like it. Yeah, I um, yeah, I I really don't like that song. It reminds me of a, a Richard Wright song from like the early Floyd. Yeah. Like remember yes. a day where it's just like, oh god, this is such a terrible fucking song. <laughs> yeah. Good thing Waters took over, man. <laughs> it wouldn't have gone well. I mean, I enjoy some of the Rick Wright stuff, but it, it's because it's small doses, yeah. right? It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's a nice kind of like, oh yeah, that's in there. But yeah, no, the, the, I don't know what Pink Floyd would have done had Waters not taken over. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, I have a I have a theory. Um, you know, when it comes to covers, because let's talk about in the street, because that's obviously the yes. one that everybody will know because of that '70s show, right? And who covered it? And and for that it was '70s cheap show? trick, cheap. it was cheap trick. Yeah. Okay, which is interesting. Um, because I'm not a huge cheap trick fan. I like some of their stuff. I I have a theory when it comes to covers. Um, unless the original is amazing. Um, typically the version you're going to like the most is the version you hear first. Yep. And that's for me, that 70 show version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's a good song, but cheap trick improved it. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, there was just little subtle things in there that I was like, Oh, okay. And then like, but they didn't do the things like it was very, um, where cheap trick will, uh, kind of change it up a little bit like you know get a little bit more rockier with it or do this yeah. it was added we're all all right yeah like yeah 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 exactly um so i was kind of missing some of that stuff when i was listening to it um I love that riff though oh it's such a it's great such, riff such a good riff it, it is it's an amazing like, like yeah. it's such what? an amazing riff yeah. um so the song third yeah let's i kind of want to before we get to 13 i just found this for me, though, like the rock yeah. songs, mm -hmm. they're all right to me. It, where they shine is when they're acoustic. Yes. See, there's like, so we'll get into the third. I love 13, by the way. But there's another, uh, we'll get, we'll talk about it. But there's another song that's very Elliot Smith. 
Which one? Uh, give me another chance. Oh, yes, 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 that's right. It just yes, sounds it like it sounds like straight out of XO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> let's talk about 13 because I love this song so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, it, it's a great song. I have to admit, it was a little creepy. <laughs> I'm going to give it just a little. It's a great song, but it, I got my Sharona vibes at first because I'm like, how old is this guy? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah. But then you're also, it's from the the perspective of, uh, of Right. And I, and I caught that on like the second list, like uh, the second or third lesson. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Because at first when I was listening to it, I was driving around, you know, I was kind of, you know, I'm just kind of absorbing what's there. And I'm like, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let, let me walk you home from school. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was once you realize it's, it's from the narrator as like a kid, <laughs> you know, first love, I guess it meets the girl at, the age 13 yeah i like it though it's, it's a gorgeous song it's a it's gorgeous, gorgeous i love the, the the guitar work again mm-hmm. this is like the production kind of like floored me because this is a 20 year old and you're hearing it's not often you hear all the strings on a guitar in the mix <laughs> right no no 100 percent. it's i'm glad you said that because yeah you miss it a lot of times especially in modern music yeah this you just hear that those guitars and it's just it's fucking beautiful and it's like it's, there's also a lot of sadness on this album. Did you notice that? I I did notice that. There's a lot of sadness, and um, once Kicks again, I feel where it's just like wants to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, there was um, was it "Don't Lie to Me"? A lot of bitter, a lot yeah. of bitter in in that one. Um, I noticed this. You know, this is something. I, again, this comes from I think me being o- older and all that kind of stuff. I noticed a lot of you know. Um, what you find, I think in, in bands like these, and it's a lot of the, um, that codependent, I need you type of thing, um, throughout the album. Um, yeah. So that's just like, I won't, I can't even say that's of the time because people are still fucking like that, you know? Right. And especially in your early twenties, you're just kind of a, you're kind of a, I was at least a mess. (laughs) Yeah. You know? We all were. We all we all were a mess. Right. And I think that's kind of just... leaned on the person you're with a little mm-hmm. too heavy. <laughs> right. And I again I, I say that again because now I'm older and I kind of listen to it and I'm like, oh my God. You know, like you know, that was like you're nobody unless somebody loves you. Jesus fucking Christ. Can we get over it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh India but saw the seventies, it either went that way or you know. Robert Plant singing about hobbits or fucking anal sex. <laughs> he wants to be your back, back door, door man. man. Yeah. yeah. In through the outdoor, Paul. In through the outdoor, my man. Oh, and, you know, again, getting to the India song. Oh, Christ. Like I said, I just, yeah, I this just was saw, like, I saw Harry Shear. It like literally in my head, I saw Harry Shear just staring stone into the camera. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, it just, it totally doesn't fit with like what else is going on, what leads, leads into. And it's another weird thing too, is us, uh, you know, it starts off with a lot of rock, but like the second side is just like almost <laughs> downbeat melancholy shit. But, yeah, you know, it, I, I, I'm not against because I listen to a lot of sad bastard music and, you know, I, give me another chance, you know, although, you know, it's kind of, you know, codependent and all that, but I can still like, you know, I was there at one point, so I can relate to it from a nostalgia, I guess, not even nostalgia is from being there at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, one of like, like when my baby's beside me. Right. That was one of those songs where I was like listening to the lyrics and I was like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I don't need my doctor. I don't need my shrink. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's another like telling thing. And, you know, uh, that's, yeah. (laughs) Which I thought was interesting. So I'm like, you know, this is in the 70s. You're saying you have a shrink in the 70s. That was like a big, no, no, taboo. Yeah. Huge taboo. Huge taboo. 
Um, but I thought it was funny because well, the fact they're saying this on an album in 1971. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, and I want to get the you know, one of the things that bothered me is like because my baby's beside me, I don't worry. When my baby's beside me, all I know, and I'm like, all you know what? Like, like all you know what? <laughs> like, tell me what you know. <laughs> And yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, that's, that's a good song. Um, and what was the, and, um, my life is all right. Eh, eh, I didn't, I don't know. That one was kind of blended. Then you got, give me another chance. And that's, as you talked about, there's certain bands that shine when they do their slow songs. Um, and this is definitely, I think one of them because give me another chance is a great song, but it's definitely a song about. He pissed off someone. <laughs> Someone's got a temper. <laughs> yeah, and but again, like, like I've been there. Like I've not been abusive, but like I've been. I I was like a real shithead at twenty one. So we all were. I, I, anyone, anyone who says they weren't a liar. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I just the 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 arrangement and the vocals. I just like I was sitting there, I'm like, I think this is where Elliot Smith got some of this idea. Oh. With like cadence and his vocals and <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and and lyrically just like, lyrically, it's a down yeah. song it's a down song yeah um hundred percent um I I think so I mean I can definitely hear some of it try again eh, like you know I felt like the first half of the album to me minus the India song was the stronger half yeah uh, um you know which is which is intended at that time it's nineteen seventy one you had an A side and a B side yeah. um but um. You know, and then it kind of, you know, like why they had the one minute song at the very end. I don't know. <laughs> well, the weird thing with the one minute song is I want to hear more of it. Yeah. Because of how the vocals is actually sound. It's really catchy. And I actually do really like Watch the Sunrise. I thought that was kind of a nice little, uh, beautiful little pop, whatever. It, it is. Now, the one thing I have to say when I was listening to this whole album, and again, this is, I think that's 1971. This is not a hard rock album. Right. Um, no. and, and, you know, you had some of the slower stuff. I was thinking like, this is, I'm sure I, I actually thought I'm like, I bet if I bought some of those AM gold records that used to be on, on TV all the time in the eighties and nineties, I would hear a bunch of these songs on there. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't sell any enough copies for these to appear on those, Paul. <laughs> right, right, right. But I, but I honestly, I'm assuming I'm like, man, this is this is AM gold all over the place. You know, it's not quite soft rock, but it's soft enough where I could see why this didn't. I, I honestly thought these just weren't st- like strong enough, like rocky enough songs to get played on rock radio. And I kind of thought, oh, and this isn't, you know, this isn't enough of a soft stuff to get played on like the classic rock stations. I'm really surprised that like, I've never heard any of these songs, especially 13, um, or even in the street, um, on like, you know, uh, the, the oldie stations growing up. Yeah. Because nobody listened to this band in the seventies. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, like a lot of you issues you brought up, you know, they're not really hard rock. They're not really soft rock. They've kind of fall in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, it's just, you know, and I'm kind of glad cause, uh, if this is like, if they ended up on AM gold or whatever, I probably would, wouldn't enjoy these because the songs are really catchy. They are. They're very catchy. And they're very, you know, well written, like well produced, well performed. It's like, and typically, like, this is not the music I personally go for. Mm-hmm. No, it's not me either. You've noticed, like, <laughs> I don't know if you're a little surprised by like my choice with this album, but I really, I took a shine to it. I think I see the appeal uh, for like, and I, I. I it should have sold more than 10,000 records. It should have sold more than 10,000. Honestly, I thought you were going to come to me and be like, man, I didn't realize I picked hippie crap. Um, <laughs> knowing well, you. Well, a lot of it's too, it's like, it's, it's uh, if, for me, a lot of it felt Midwestern somehow. Like, yeah. in the street. I mean, like, just us growing up, like, that was like your boring teenage life. A hundred percent. Just getting in a car and fucking getting high and... <laughs> 
driving down division. <laughs> driving down division. Yeah. Well, you really wish you had a joint then. You know, <laughs> you know like song like 13, Ballad of a Goto. Like a lot of it is just kind of like feels very Midwestern, but it's, it's south it's Southern. <laughs> I didn't get that vibe. You, so this you is a Southern Memphis, rock album. Yeah. When you told me they were from Memphis, I'm like, I, that's a shocker. I figured this was a Detroit band. I figured this was a Chicago band, something in the Midwest, like completely you, you nailed the, the Midwest vibe to it. Yeah. I really yeah. thought that this would have, would have been one of those two. Like I really, really thought, I honestly thought it was Detroit. Yeah. Like I had no idea when I first, when I was watching the documentary, I was like Memphis. <laughs> hey, what? I was very confused by a lot of, that's what I love about the misconceptions. And when we go in with a band, like, when you thought Sparks were British. I totally yeah. thought Sparks were British. And I thought it was made, I thought it was a recent album. Because <laughs> it was so far ahead of its time. Yeah, and this, this I, I assume, yeah, like you, it was probably Detroit or something like that. Maybe L.A. Maybe L.A., but I really thought Detroit or Chicago. Yeah, because it yeah. just it just feels very Midwestern. Like, the, the lyrical content is just small-town bullshit life. Mm-hmm. There's another reason I kind of <laughs> I took a shine to this album. It's like, yeah, I remember being bored all the time. <laughs> Doing there was a bunch time. Of shit with my friends. There was a time we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we come from that uh we come from that uh uh from that genre where we didn't have cell phones, so you have to I stop. I was actually a lot happier when I didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, I had a cell phone like when they first like when they started coming like, you know, like before there was the flip phone, like we all had the Nokia, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And yeah. I think I was about 17 and I got rid of it. I didn't get another cell phone until I was 20. I didn't get one for three years because my mindset was if I didn't call you that morning to do something with you, I didn't want to talk to you. <laughs> like, well, why I didn't am get I getting a cell phone until I was 25? Yeah. I wait. No, I waited till I was about 20 <laughs> to get one again. I took a three year break from it because I was like, Man, I'm, I don't want to be bothered. Like, if I wanted to call you that morning or get in touch with you that morning, I would have. Because it still wasn't like, you know, texting wasn't a thing yet. You know what I mean? It was still, you just talk to someone on a fucking phone. And I was like, why the fuck am I going to give someone the ability to contact me anytime? <laughs> like, I'm busy. I got shit to do. I'm still, I'm still upset whenever people get a hold of me when I'm not. I don't want to be gotten a hold of <laughs> And I just basically my phone's just a glorified tablet at this point. I barely use it for an actual phone. <laughs> Most people don't. Like, you know, the other day I was, I, 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 I got, you know, we talked about off air. I got that new job and I was driving home and I had a, you know, a, a several mile drive. And I was like, you know, one of my buddies, I was like, I know he's home. So I gave him a call. And like when we first started talking, I could totally tell he didn't want to be on the phone. He was like, Ugh. <laughs> and then, you know, as we started talking, he loosened up and we were fine. But like, I could totally tell he's like, because I'm sure nobody calls. I mean, I, in, unless I have a need for it, I text, I text. Yeah. I mean, I mean, oh, how many times personally insulted when my phone rings? <laughs> you and I have been, been doing this podcast. I've been doing, um, you know, we did, um, the Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Yep. How many times have you and I talked on the phone? Out, like, I talked on the phone. Never. Never. Never, right? We message each other what we need to know and what we're going to yeah. do. We don't talk on the phone. I would never. Well, I'd, we have each other's numbers. We we don't even text. We just yeah. <laughs> messenger. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, if I got a call from you, I would think somebody died. Yeah, that would, <laughs> that, that's where I'm at, too. Yeah. It's like, uh, fuck. So, yeah, now I kind of wish I was. 1971 i was <laughs> <in a> <laughs> now one thing i do want to bring up that because we talked a little bit about it was some of the lyrics and this is a product of the 70s i think and the 60s and the 70s and it's even now i mean we listened to a little bit with um i felt with uh the last one we did with um miley very repetitive some of these songs are very repetitive like don't lie to me it's a very repetitive song lyrically. Uh, um, you know, I, I just, I think at that time, you know, it's just what that sign of the times, but that is to me, you know, it's just one of those things I'm listening. To, I'm like, yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> you know, kind of like, again, I, when my baby's beside me, a lot of the same stuff over and over. 
Um, and it's kind of like, okay, got it, got it the first, you know, and I think that's just me being older and being like, yep, got it the first time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's weird. Cause like, don't lie to me. Just it feels like more of a jam than an actual song. Right. Right. No, I'll give you that. And I, I think it's because I also have an affinity for concept albums, which a lot of them don't have a lot of repetition, right? Like when you think about when we listen to the lamb on Broadway, there wasn't a lot of repeats with the courses and the verses and things like that. They're all trying to tell a story, trying to tell something different. So lyrically, I find it a little bit more interesting, but this is just what pop is. It's why it's poppy, you know, cause anyone can sing along and you're going to know the lyrics by the end of the fucking song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at Paul McCartney's career. <laughs> oh Christ. Do we have to, <laughs> <laughs> do we really have to, do we need to talk about Ebony and Ivory? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> don't forget that happened <laughs> don't forget the michael jackson like oh that debacle god we're gonna have to do a paul mccartney or a michael jackson album probably a paul mccartney album just or wings just to talk about that fiasco at some point because that was a shit show <laughs> well he also well mccartney was on thriller man so oh that's true mccartney was on thriller that's right yeah so we could do thriller i mean there is that Yes. I forgot about that. I forgot he was on Thriller. Yeah. What was that? The Girl, Girl is, is Mine? Fine. Yeah. The Girl is Mine? Yeah, yeah. Terrible song. It's not a great song. <laughs> Talk about a guy who peaked in 1969. <laughs> just. You know, I just read an article that he apparently put out a bunch of music under a fake name, and I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't yeah, care. he's been doing that. He did that in the 90s, too. Yeah. I forget what the name of it was. Like he put out like DJ music. It was really bad. <sighs> yeah. yeah, I, I yeah. Clapton did the same thing. Like weird uh, <sighs> DJ music under a pseudonym, and I was just like, I don't care. I don't even like Clapton. He's just playing guitar. So, <laughs> <laughs> but. Goon. <laughs> overall i mean like i said i i giggled some some because i was like uh, you know especially the india song like i cannot take that song seriously no i don't think anybody <laughs> seriously at all. I, I, I don't think you can take that song seriously it's just it is i mean there even some of the riff i'm like i know those guys had to steal it from the song like they had to have stolen for the flower people from that song like you know <laughs> So if you're interested in what the origins of the flower people listen to the India song, because <laughs> I guarantee you it came from it. Like if, 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 if Christopher Guest, if I ever had an interview with Christopher Guest and he said, no, it wasn't, I'd call him a fucking liar to his face. That's <laughs> India song. And all you need is love. That's, that's the flower that's children song. <laughs> yep. That's, that's, that's flower children. You just combine the two. Yep. <laughs> so. I guess, you know, I don't know. I mean, this is interesting to me. I, I had no idea. I would have not thought, because again, we talked about the production. And like I said, when I heard 13, I thought it was kind of creepy. But even realizing this is someone in their 2021, 20, I really thought this was an established group in their 30s. Yeah, no, no. These guys are all in their 20s. Chilton was the only one who actually had uh, experience. But like he joined the box tops, I think, at 16. Wow. So, like, by the time, I think, yeah, he was, like, 21, 22 when uh, they did this album. Yeah. They were all pretty young. That's incredible, honestly. Like, again, it, gives, it gives me what a... what we were doing at 21. We weren't doing this. <laughs> no. No, we weren't. No, 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 we weren't. I was recording music, but I wasn't anywhere good at this. And, obviously, it didn't go any... I wasn't good at it because I didn't get a fucking career out of it so good for them um <laughs> well, their career didn't really go too far either like again yeah that's the distribution issues and you know again i it's kind of like a shitty you can have and this is like another one of those things like you can have all the ingredients for what should be a successful band because by all means even like is kind of like dated and stuff some of this this sounds like it should have been like a bigger album than it was 100 percent. but the, it just shows how tough this industry is that you could put out an album like this and not get it still not which is insane because this this really does like i said i really felt like this like i was like i guarantee if i go through am gold because i was actually thinking about it of going through am gold 
um, and sing there's tracks from from this album on there. I'm like, there songs to that feel like they should be hits. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Well, again, in the street, thirteen. Give me another chance. Um, even feel, um, you know, I could see my baby beside me. That should have been a hit. Um, yeah, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it, yeah. And so you know, took a while. Like once, like the alternative bands in the '90s, and you know, they started, you know. Uh, covering big star and talking about him. And then that kind of gave them a, a second, second, uh, second wind, if you will. And they toured and all the way up until Chilton's death, I think in 2010. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's, that's unfortunate. Like I said, yeah, this should have been, I, 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 I was, I was assuming this was a hit and it just never was on my radar because it wasn't, <laughs> as we talked about, wasn't hard rock, but it wasn't really soft rock. So I just assumed it was just never on my radar. That was never on my parents' radar. Um, it was but, only on the music critics' radar, man. Yeah. Well, 10,000 albums. Again, that, that sucks. And yet, you know, fucking... Um, the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton had to return 300 million and these guys couldn't get 10, 10,000. That sucks. That fucking sucks. Yeah. That's a, I'm glad I'm not in that industry. It seems quite mixing. Well, and I imagine now they would have like, if this, if, if the situation in the seventies is what it was now where you could get better self distribution, I bet they would have, this would have taken off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the, especially in the in the sixties and seventies, if the label and whatever decided not to print, there was no guarantee they're going to print your fucking album. No, nope, there was no guarantee. And again, like this band was just it was suddenly cult, and like you know, REM and the Replacements would talk about them in review uh, interviews, and people were like, "Who the fuck is Big Style? Like, what are these guys talking about?" Like. Uh, the Bangles covered a track off their second album. Wow. Yeah. Um, Matthew Sweet is like a huge fan. Like That doesn't surprise me. That No, yeah. that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. So it was just like, you know, a lot of like these alternative bands then coming into the 90s were just, you know, praising it. And then people started, you know, the CD reissues come and people were like, oh, well, I'll give it a shot, you know fucking garbage covered it or whatever <laughs> well <laughs> it's, like, a, it's crazy to me that 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 they picked this song you know in the streets for that 70s show <laughs> yeah and they used the song 13 for the series finale i heard that yeah i i i mean i i i be honest with you i got into that 70s show way later um so i, I never saw the finale i just saw the youtube clip uh it worked it I'll have to check it out like because the whole Donna Eric thing. So, yeah, I think, you know, that was the other thing I, when I watched it and then when Eric left in the last season, um, I kind of, I watched like three or four episodes and I stopped watching. Honestly, like, I, didn't, I didn't even get that far. Yeah. <laughs> I got, got that to the far point where like he's a red has the heart attack and Eric's home. Uh, yes. I was just like, I don't Kelso's a cop. And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. That was, that was terrible. That was terrible. Kelso being a cop. Yeah, I just, I just lost all interest in it. So, yeah, I don't even think I could go back and rewatch the whole thing just to get to that finale. I'll just, I just saw the clip of 13 being used. It's like, that was a very well done use of a, another <laughs> song for this show and called it good. I'll have to check that out. I'll look at the clip when we're done here. But yeah. hey, at least it was better than that 80s show. <laughs> with uh, Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, God. That show was awful. Oh, good thing he landed on his feet, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Longest running uh, live action sitcom in, going yeah. on now. Yeah, it is the longest running. Always sunny, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Such a good show. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, I was bl I came in blasting. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess you know, getting the recommendations, I, I would recommend it. Um it's definitely something to check out because knowing now that it never was big and, you know, understanding why, like I didn't know any of the tracks off of it. Um, never heard any of it. 
Um, and given that it's a 1971 album and that sounds like it's a late seventies album is incredible. Like if you're a history sounds better than albums being made today, that's shocking. It, it does, but it still has that. I don't want to give the uh, audience. It definitely has a seventies feel to it though. Like seventies feel, but like, I'm saying like how it's engineered. Oh yeah. It's great. Just like the sound is like, it sounds crisp. Mm -hmm. You just don't get a lot of. You which get a lot is, of muddied stuff, just which is crazy considering it was what, what you said two or three takes. Yeah, two or three takes. Jesus Christ, these guys yeah, they they came in prepared. They kind of like what the Clash did with London Calling, just practice the songs before you go in the studio, so you don't have to be wasting a lot of time and money. Smart, smart, yeah. smart. Um, so, what about you? Would you recommend it? Yeah, I really like this album, so I will recommend it. I will recommend the Big Star. Yeah, I will. I will recommend it. Um, just skip the India song. <laughs> yeah, it's well if you want a you want a good laugh. Yeah, because I chuckled. I did every time that song came on. I listened to this album several times, so that says something for it too. Like I listened to it beyond my my normal three listens. Um, but every time the India song came on, man, I just I laughed out loud. I was like, <laughs> people in the driving next to me had to think I was nuts because I was just laughing <laughs> like a crazy man at nothing. Yeah. So, Joe, what is going on with the Joe Down? <laughs> well, we just released today. <clears throat> Me and Brown wrapped up our adventures in Forks, Washington with the Twilight series. We watched the last one. Oh, Brown no. Brown was very mad, but I've been torturing him that with those movies for five years, and it had to come to an end. I can find... I can find other terrible franchises for him to sit through. <laughs> oh, God. Breaking Dawn Part 2. Gross. Yeah. Gross. 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 <laughs> what CGI babies don't... <laughs> perfectly normal, Paul. <laughs> I don't understand... I don't understand how Twilight became a phenomenon. Like, that's one of those things... Like, I understand Harry Potter... I understand, you know, but this should have gone the route of um, this should have gone the route of Percy Jackson when it came to films. Like, should have just stopped. Should have just said no. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the appeal. <laughs> you guys said through all of them, and I still don't understand why they're popular. Yeah, I mean, what was the Rotten Tomatoes for it? Uh, this one, I think, was like thirty-eight percent. Ugh. It wasn't, you know, critics didn't like these movies, Paul. <laughs> you know. Well, what did yeah, the 39% audience think? 39% was for the last one. What did the audience think of it, though? I don't give a shit. I don't go to the <laughs> audience score. <laughs> Audiences are idiots. They like, you know, they're wanting the restore the Snyder verse for those shitty DC movies. So, oh, God, can they just stop with that? Just, you, you know, DC, you fucked up. Like, just give up. You don't. Oh, the audience score was seventy percent. By the way, it was seventy percent. Jesus Christ. Um, you, you know, you know where DC shines? It's in their animations. Yeah. Their and their animation ones are top fucking notch. They should have just stuck with that. Like, just stick with that because you guys do really good um, work with when it comes to the animation stuff. Um, well, they rushed that shit too. So they, and they, they didn't have a good. Uh, you know, when they put their, their eggs in the basket with Zack Snyder, you knew it wasn't gonna. I don't understand these people, these, these Zack Snyder apologists. I don't get it. I, I I don't get it. I don't get the appeal of Zack Snyder. I just, I don't understand it. I don't think the guy's that great. No, he can make a movie look cool, but he doesn't understand the characters. Like, right. He just doesn't, right. he doesn't understand storytelling. Like, here's a, th and like, I just noticed the new Batman movie coming out. He's not part of that or whatever but it's coming in at like three hours long. like these fucking superhero movies are now three hours long i know i know they, three hour long movies used to be a special event type of thing remember like oh yeah schindler's list <laughs> it's like schindler's three list. hours and it was a yep. big deal mm -hmm. now we're getting idiots in rubber suits like oh, <laughs> everything just hurts all the time paul <laughs> i swear <laughs> to god <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I will say one thing about the Schneider cut. And I will say one, one bit of praise. 
is at least, you know, it took four. I mean, it's not really praised, though. It took four hours to make that movie make sense. That's that, not that's not a praise, man. That's that, not a praise. That's, that's shit writing. That's yeah. I mean, you. I mean, when you look at like the, the 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 original cut, though, that movie makes no sense at all. You're just like, what the fuck is what? Like how that wasn't canned, and like what the shit um, is beyond me. But then they have to you know put out a Schneider cut and make a four hour. And remember, he had to bring people back and do shoots. Remember, Warner Brothers let him do reshoots uh, to shoot more shit for it. So you had to make it a four hour long fucking movie to have it make sense. That's awful. That's terrible. <laughs> that, he's, he's terrible at writing. He's terrible at editing. Uh, it, it's just, it's just really just awful. Like, you know, now let's talk. I want to get back a little bit there because I want to bring up Dune, for example, right now, Dune's based on a book and there's a lot of shit in that book. And a lot of things you need to know. The source material itself is long. So it warrants a longer, you know, you, you got to have the book, right? I mean, you want to hit everything that's in the book, the things that make the fans want it. There was no Batman versus Superman book. <laughs> no. It was well, made up. It was. It was called The Dark Knight Returns, and that was not as long as that. <laughs> uh, so that's Well, that was a graphic novel. But yeah, it wasn't as long as that. And it would have been a better fucking if they just taken that and made that a fucking movie. Oh, but, they already did the animated one, and that was good. So. <laughs> that, was, that was good, the animated one. Again, that's where DC shines. It's in their animation. Just get HBO Plus, watch the fucking cartoons, and be done. Like, Jesus Christ, like, give up. It's just, and, and I heard fans are getting all pissed off because they're thinking that Flash is going to uh, retcon the Snyder verse and yeah, let it. Yeah, it it sucked. It's, it's it sucked. Called a, it's what they call a soft reboot. <laughs> um, they're just going to be rebooting a lot of the franchise because the Snyder verse sucked. Well, nobody and, liked it. <laughs> and if you're a fan of the comics, Flashpoint happens where everything got fucking rebooted because of Flash. Like it's canon. It's something that happens in the comics. So get over it. Regardless if it was good or not, Flashpoint was going to happen, which was going to retcon everything anyway. So yeah. get over it. Yeah, might as well retcon this fucking garbage shit pile of sadness. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a sadness it's, bubble. It's a sadness bad. bubble. They're just. Wonder Woman was okay. Wonder Woman 89 sucked. 89, uh, 89 was terrible. Or 80, was it 84, 89, whatever the fuck it was. It was terrible. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It was Shazam awful. Sam was all right, but like, you know, Aquaman was okay. Like, it, you're, they're not really making moves. They're like, I liked that. Like, I my, like, my highest praise, it's all right, I guess. For their best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I did like Man of Steel. I did like that. But a lot of people didn't. Um, but I thought it was a, a, a good take. Although I didn't like Kevin Cobb. Like, I didn't like how the dad was like, don't do anything. You know. Let those kids drown. Yeah, let those kids drown. That's not what he fucking Like, that was terrible. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, you guys did breaking. Uh, did, did you guys have anything in the pipeline then? Yeah, we're doing Cannibal the Musical next. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> The sky is blue and all the leaves are green. My heart is filled as a baked potato. <laughs> Fudgepacker? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's build a snowman. snowman. How did he How did he tap dance? Uh, <laughs> you're asking that now? <laughs> I love Cannibal the Musical. I saw that because I was a big trauma fan. Huge, huge trauma fan. And I saw that before I even knew who Trey Parker and Matt Stone were. Um, cause I think I saw that almost 20 years ago. Like, yeah. Cause the only way it got distribution was through trauma. Cause no one would pick it up and trauma did for them. Awesome. Love that movie. Oh, I'm, have you seen, obviously you've seen it. Has Joe seen it? I think so. I've, I used to own it. Like the commentary is great. Cause they just get hammered. Yeah. Don't they go to a strip club and come back? I think so. Yeah. I think they go to a strip club and come back. Yeah, I think they do. I think they're like, let's pause the recording, and then they come back, and they're all ten shades of hammered. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I love that movie. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, all right, Joe. Well, I'm going to give you a choice of number one through four, 
And this is going to decide our fate, buddy. One, two, four. Five, you dick. (laughs) (laughs) Three. Ooh, okay. uh, I'm going to tell you right now, this is probably the best pick of them all. Um, Well, there may be another one that would have been really good. Um, We are going to do the Australian band, The Vines, um, self-debut album, Highly Evolved. From 2002. Oh, one of the the bands. One of the the bands, yes. The Vines, the Strokes. The Hives, yes. The Hives. It all came out around the same time. All garage rock bands, all sounding the same. The White Stripes. (laughs) The White Stripes. Yeah, there was a big boom of the the bands, yes, at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it came after all the... The punk bands with numbers in their title. That's like true. Blink-182 and Sum 41. Sum 41. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the early, late 90s, early 2000s were really fucking terrible. <laughs> they, they were great. But this will be the, um, the, 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 the debut album, Highly Evolved by The Vines. All right. So that is what we're going to do. Sounds good to me. You're so lucky, dude. Air Supply was on that list, man. You are so lucky. <laughs> we have against Air Supply. Fuck you. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Don't even pretend you like Air Supply. <laughs> I'm, I'm still so lost without you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry if I have two ears and a heart. <laughs> the, the, the singer looks like Beavis. He grew up. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, well, uh, just know that there's going to be air supply in the future. That's um, with me, <laughs> it's not with me. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we're going to do. Um, oh, do you want to take us out? No.